You're listening to the Unheld in News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths. Each week, we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media, and we analyze these events. Just as in Jesus' day, Pharisees still walk the earth. Among them today are the celebrity Christians who support wars in the Middle East to protect Israel. In our Pharisee Watch portion of the program, we feature stories about the unchristlike acts of these modern-day Pharisees. Our programs are led by Charles E. Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths, and author and editor of the Pharisee Watch, and unheralded news features on our website, whtt.org. Joining Chuck are four other founders of We Hold These Truths. Travis Steele is the owner of Steele Engineering. Mark Horton is the president of Ultra Clean Corporation. Chuck McCollum is the owner of Oakshade Development. And Tom Compton is a retired sales engineer and your announcer. Our reader is We Hold These Truths faithful volunteer and dramatist Leslie Ford. Welcome to our podcast. On today's Unheralded News and Pharisee Watch, we have a potpourri, starting off with the Nakba Day celebration. Chuck? Okay, well, Nakba is a Arab word, and it's a commemoration of a date in 1948, which was happens to be May 15th, which was the day that the Palestinian people believed that they lost their land because of the United Nations edict, which created the State of Israel. And so uh, all over the country, these Nakba Day commemorations go on, and in Lebanon, the government of Lebanon, two days later, filed a complaint with the State of Israel, stating that at least 10 people were killed and over 110 were wounded by Israeli soldiers who opened fire on some thousands of Palestinian refugees who left the Palestinian refugee camp and went to the fence, and on their own side of the fence, the the Lebanese side of the fence, they stood with their flags and their banners and shouted, and some of them threw some rocks over the fence, protesting that they're not allowed to go back to their homes in Israel. And the Israeli soldiers opened fire through the fence and shot down 10 of these people dead and sent literally 110 off in ambulances, wounded or carried away. A United Nations Special Coordinator for Lebanon, Michael Williams, confirmed that this really did happen, and he said, I'm shocked by the number of deaths and the use of disproportionate deadly force by the Israeli forces against the apparently unarmed demonstrators. And uh, Nakba Day, of course, was, which was May 15th, was celebrated all over. There was probably a celebration in most major cities. There was one here in Denver, Colorado, where I attended it. The celebration was at the state capitol, and uh, at that celebration, rather famous jazz musician from uh, England, who is a former member of the Israeli Defense Forces, Gilead Osman, and plays jazz saxophone, and a lot of people like his jazz saxophone very much. I, I happen to like it. And uh, he played at the demonstration, and then uh, we did a march through uh, the 16th Street Mall, which is famous meeting place on Sunday of Denverites who go there, and uh, hundreds of shops up and down this mall, and and we paraded down that mall and, and with sign, with a lot of signs, about 150 people of all different uh, races and creeds. 
my own experience in it is I wandered along kind of at the end of the parade and waited to see if people would come over and talk to me, which they did, because I had a big sign that said, Blessed are the Peacemakers, and I actually had two people who joined in and actually walked with me for a couple of blocks. And so not to go further with this, but it was a very successful get-together for people who uh, want to get their spirits together, and also uh, educational event. These were going on everywhere, and that is the event that uh, precipitated, of course, this murderous action in the Middle East, where in no less than three or four different countries, including Syria and Lebanon, and in Gaza itself, people were killed by the Israelis for doing these kind of same kind of demonstrations that we were doing on the 16th Street Mall. Chuck, I think it's interesting. You should read us the reported of this incident by Gary Bauer, a very prominent Christian Zionist who calls himself a follower of Christ, but why don't you read that for us? All right. In an El Bawaba story, talking about Nakba Day, it says 17 Palestinians were killed. Now, we're not talking now about the Lebanese. We're talking about 17 people, same day, same time, a few hundred miles away in Gaza, not very many miles away, really. 17 people were killed, scores of others wounded in the Gaza Strip, the Golan Heights, and, uh, pardon me, that does include the 10 in Lebanon. So there were a total of 17 killed that day by the Israelis who were the essentially just shot them down in cold blood. At least one Palestinian died and 80 others were hurt in northern Gaza Strip as Israeli forces opened fire on a march of at least 1,000 people headed toward the Eras crossing, that's the gate, which of course they couldn't get out of the Eras gate because it's a a fortress, but they marched up to it and when they got close enough to the fence, Israel started firing on them and, and shot them down. Now, Christian Zionist Gary Barr, who writes a letter every day on his adventures in Washington, D.C., as he promotes Christian Zionism, had this to say about it. Quote, Gary Barr reported the incident in this way in a shade of this, uh, I'm, I'm quoting him, a couple of days ago, says Bauer, I reported to you how mobs of Palestinian extremists threw themselves against the physical barriers making up the borders of Israel threatening to overwhelm the tiny nation by sending waves of people against its borders. It was a terrifying to watch from the comfort of our own homes or thousands, thousands of miles away. But imagine if you were an Israeli knowing that your country is surrounded by Islamo-fascists who are just a mere mile away. Thus, the effort of Christian Zionism to report. But now, was Gary Bauer, the, uh, did he come up with this term, Islamo-fascist, that seems to be, he uses it uh, a lot anyway. I don't know if he originated it or not. but Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, Tom, I wanted to ask you about your experiences uh, the, the next day or two after that. I understand you received an award uh, in uh, Arizona for, from uh, the Palestine. Yes, it was for the Students for Justice in Palestine. They had an award ceremony this past Tuesday, at ASU, this is the Arizona State University chapter of of Students for Justice in Palestine, and it was very it was very well done. I felt honored to be invited, and what the founder did of the of the organization was he gave out awards to the fellow students. They actually got plaques, and then there were people uh, like. A lady with women in black and another friend of ours, uh, Michael Bradley, 
that have helped and participated uh, with the Students for Justice in Palestine. And I, I want to just read this, who, who we are, uh, that the, they're a fantastic group. They're, they're not just Muslims. They're, they're Christians. There's all, all kinds of flavors there. Students for Justice in Palestine, ASU Chapter, is a diverse group of students, faculty, staff, and community members at Arizona State University organized on democratic principles to promote justice, human rights, liberation, and self-determination for the Palestinian people. As SJP ASU Chapter, we are dedicated to educate the campus and the community of the injustices in Palestine of the past and present times. And this is very important. Their vision is change the mind of one, transform the ideology of hundreds, shift the public opinion of thousands, revolutionize national foreign policy in regards to the Palestinian-Israeli conflict to create peace and justice. And so it was just it was a, a, a great pleasure for me to receive a, a certificate of appreciation. In fact, walking out with a lady from Women in Black, who was a peace group, she made the comment that she had never been recognized for what she'd done. Most people would shun people like her who stand up uh, against war, these unjust wars. So it was very, very encouraging, and I look forward to being at their events. They had some very significant events at ASU over the past year and very, very active group. So it just warmed the cockles of my heart, I guess you'd say. In our financial section here of Unheralded News, Chuck, tell us about Citigroup's Pandit. Well, Pandit is the president of the Citigroup, and the reason we're carrying this is to help the, our readers to understand the incredible disparity that's being created in our country between what is becoming a mega-rich class of banker, banking exec executives. Many of us can remember when a job at a bank was considered to be a low-paying kind of entry-level uh, employment, and people labored uh, long times in their lifetime to be work up to be a vice president of a bank. Banks did not were not noted for making huge profits, but here in the case of Citibank, they are now going to pay their new vice president, $42 million this year, and that's the reward uh, that uh, of that. Uh, actually, he'll collect some of that in subsequent years, but that's his bonus. And the reason for this is that Citibank has managed to turn an enormous profit of $13.6 million for the a year. For, that's actually for the quarter, pardon me, for the quarter ending March. That's billions, $13.6 billion a quarter. So they must spend that somewhere. As we've Noted many times in our writing, the reason the banks are making all this money is because they are the top of the funnel where the Federal Reserve pours in the trillions, literally trillions of dollars that are going in, have gone in to prop up the economy. And of course, uh, a lot of that, those trillions stop right there in the top of the funnel and never do get through the bottom of the funnel. The banks are able to cash in without risk and turn in these incredible profits, whereas uh, only uh, four years ago they were being bailed out by the taxpayers because of the tremendous losses they were suffering because of their abhorrent investment policies. Pundit is, of course, the president. He's just one of many 
banking executives who are taking home these incredible bonuses and it's cre- creating a class of wealth who are siphoning it off the top. And there's no other kind of way to put it. That is what our economy is becoming. People need to understand it and to be mad about it. And so this is why we published this kind of story. Thank you. It's no longer the golden parachute, it's the golden goose. Yes, the golden egg. Yeah, the golden goose. You got all the eggs, right. Okay, our next item. Leslie, tell us about the anti-Israel demonstration inside our friend John Hagee's mega church. (laughs) Who instigated anti-Israel demonstration inside Texas church by the magazine The Blaze? May 19, 2011, popcorn. That's the best way to describe the image Pastor John Hagee's Deputy Director of Security, Chris Flores, painted for me as he retold what happened at Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, Texas on Sunday. He confirmed what Hagee says in an open letter from earlier today. Eleven protesters were escorted out of the sanctuary as one after another popped up to utter anti-Israel slogans during the 11 a.m. service. Quote, they should be thanking us. Quote, we handcuffed them until they ran out of handcuffs, Flores said as he detailed how he and others on his team reacted to the situation. According to him, they followed the church's normal procedure for such disruptions, They escorted the instigators out of the sanctuary, secured them in a separate area, took their pictures and identification, called the local San Antonio police, and then had the police issue criminal trespass warnings, meaning that if the protesters ever came back, they would be arrested. Chuck, would you like to explain who these people were? I think this is very interesting. These were Hispanic people, were they not? Yes. To start with, our readers should know that this is not the first demonstration at that uh, particular church, Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, Texas. We Hold These Truths, Project Straight Gate, conducted an extremely successful vigil outside the church four years ago, and we encountered these same security forces. Now, it would not be a surprise because of the things John Hagee says about Arabs and about Muslims and about kill them all and so on. Had there been a a Palestinian group who would have uh, come to the church, but uh, they probably wouldn't have let them in. In this case, uh, who the group was was a Hispanic group of activists called Esperanza. And Esperanza, had, two of the uh, employees of Esperanza were among those arrested, and uh, several of the other people were affiliated. I talked to Esperanza today. Their spokesman told me that it was not an official act of the church and they disavowed being involved specifically, but that some of their employees and supporters participated in it. So it turns out that uh, these people who are part of this very broad movement, uh, which receives money from the National Foundation of the Arts and uh, the city of El Paso and uh, conducts all kinds of uh, of activities primarily aimed at Hispanic uh, objectives, and we're not endorsing or de- those in any way or de- declining, but uh, uh, the, the Esperanza apparently uh, unified, considered themselves in unity with the plight of the Palestinians and put on this amazing demonstration where 
They photographed a lot of it. You can watch it on our website or links from our website. And Esperanza, these people simply stood up one at a time, very patiently, each one taking their turn after uh, the others. One was ushered out. The next one would stand up and protest what John Hagee was saying, essentially call him a liar, which he is, and talk about the Palestinian cause until they were all ushered out. It's interesting, of course, that the uh, organization took it upon themselves to essentially arrest these people, and one needs to understand that when they hire off-duty policemen in these the places... The Hagee uh, organization, the Hagee church... Organization, yeah, not, the Hagee organization, Thank yes. you, Tom. Yes, it was the Hagee organization that arrested these people and basically detained them in handcuffs. And uh, the reason they get away with that is they use off-duty police who have arrest powers. Whether or not it's legal or not, I don't know, but they do it. And um, so they detained these people. We had our uh, discussions, problems, and uh, conflicts with these same security forces. We called them John Hagee's men in black when we were at the church. But we're very grateful that someone else has, we think, followed along in our footsteps. We don't know if they know about us or not, but it is a great idea. We came up with it years ago, and we're just thrilled to death when somebody else goes in and openly challenges the church to their face and tells them what these people did. And they were, if you watch the video, you'll see that they were quite right online. And a nice-looking, well-dressed Hispanic people. The major difference would be, Chuck, is that we, when, of course, uh, we have typically always have stayed in public right away. So the issue right here going inside private property is something that we probably would not do ourselves. We find it just as effective, and they remember us just as well being on the outside of the church. But everybody has to do what they believe. Uh, That's a very good point, and the reason we've chosen to do our activities the way we have Uh, is that, as Tom pointed out, it works, it's very effective, but more important, we're not sitting in jail trying to get bailed out for being second-time trespassers or something like that, and uh, that's allowed us to consistently put on vigils whenever we want to. We're not always in a position where we're having to overcome some problem to do it. We recommend that we do it our way, but if some local group who is in Phoenix or uh, San Antonio or Denver or New York wants to make an issue of this and go head on with John Hagee and the church as long as they understand what they're getting into that's okay and what these people did show uh, is of course that the first time you can do it and of course if you do it a second time you are going to be cited for trespassing and you are going to end up going to jail so the system these people use we don't endorse it as our way of doing it but it does work and it is fair and square you can go on uh, into a public place that's run by a, a church, and you can uh, make a statement there, and if they want to charge you with trespassing, they have to warn you first. May I add that We Hold These Truths also contacts the churches and the pastors, if possible, before we actually go and have a vigil at that church. And often uh, we've contacted the police ahead of time as well. So they are well informed before we actually do our vigil. And, of course, in many cases the pastors will tell their congregants to uh, ignore the people outside or maybe give us some donuts and show a little... Or water. Water, yes, and so forth, yes. But it gets them thinking anyway in there. 
We were there at Cornerstone uh, those four years ago. It seems like only yesterday. It was a wonderful time that we had, and we're grateful for anybody who follows our example in any way and takes on the evangelical church. And so God bless these people from Esperanza, whoever Esperanza, yeah, whoever else they may be. Yes, and hold vigils in Spanish next time, too. Yes, yes. And this must produce a real problem for John Hagee because he has a large Spanish uh, contingent, of course, being in San Diego in his church. And I think they may even have a... Sandy, San Antonio, not San Diego. Sir. San Antonio. And they may also have a, a Hispanic church. I'm not sure whether they have a Hispanic service or not. Our next item, our final item, is uh, from The Nation, May 19th, Blackwater founder implicated in murder. And in this story, they quote a former Marine who was uh, an employee of uh, Eric Prince's Blackwater as a mercenary. And from this article, quote, to that end, Mr. Prince intentionally deployed to Iraq certain men who shared his vision of Christian supremacy, knowing and wanting these men to take every available opportunity to murder Iraqis. Many of these men used call signs based on the Knights of Templar, the warriors who fought the Crusades. Mr. Prince operated his companies in a manner that encouraged and rewarded the destruction of Iraqi life. For example, Mr. Prince's executives would openly speak about going to Iraq to, quote, lay Hajis out on cardboard, going to Iraq to shoot and kill Iraqis was used as a game of sport. Mr. Prince's employees openly and consistently used racist and derogatory terms for Iraqis and other Arabs, such as ragheads or hajis. Anyway, there is an implication briefed on the substance of this allegation by the nation. Congressman Dennis Kucinich replied, quote, If these allegations are true, Blackwater has been a criminal enterprise defrauding taxpayers and murdering innocent civilians. Kucinich is on the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform and has been investigating Prince and Blackwater since 2004. A hearing before Judge Ellis in the civil case against Blackwater is scheduled for August the 7th. Okay, well, we hope they get their just reward sooner than later. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.